This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. Hey everybody, this is Lane with the Simple Passive Cashflow Podcast. Please share this with your friends on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat. Well, we're not on Snapchat. I don't believe in Snapchat for Simple Passive Cashflow. Also go to the network tab on simplepassivecashflow.com and sign up for the investing database for the Hui deal pipeline for all kinds of deals, private money lending, fix and flips, syndications, all kinds of stuff on there. Today, I have MC Lobster from South Africa. He is not from Australia, guys. Let me just point it out. We'll get the deal hunter on here at some point. But today we have MC from Cashflow Ninja. Thanks for having me on the show, Lane. How much simple passive cash flow are you making today and how are you doing it? Well, Elaine, yeah, I think for, for my my wealth plan, the core and basis of my plan and foundation uh, is centered around a strategy called the infinite banking concept where I actually utilized um, an insurance vehicle, dividend paying whole life insurance with a mutual insurance company. Uh, might get a lot of jaw drops for that, but that's the centerpiece of my financial plan, and, and that actually produces cash flow for me on the one side, just like in the banking system. And then on the other side, it allows me to leverage my existing savings uh, to invest in other assets um, that produces monthly income streams and cash flow, as well as cash flow businesses. So as you know, I have a podcast, cashflowninja.com. Um, is the website, um, the Cashflow Ninja is the podcast. And, and through that, there's a lot of affiliate programs that also produces uh, some passive income for, for myself. Um, and um, along with other partnerships and referral, which is through my website, my social media, and so forth. Um, I also am involved, and this is truly a passive one, in some online e-commerce businesses that does not require a lot of the, uh, commitment. And when I think about passive income, I would say probably on the one e-commerce site, I probably spend maybe an hour a month on that. So not exactly 100% passive, but we do have to monitor a little bit and look at the metrics um, and just make sure everything is, is functioning and running. Um, and then also, I am a real estate investor, so I do get some passive income from, from real estate interests that I have. Um, other not-so-passive income is a little bit couple of startups uh, that I uh, have invested in, which I eventually hope to turn into uh, some passive income. What kind of uh, real estate holdings are you currently doing? Single now it's single family um, and uh, some multifamily interests, so some syndication. Okay, so the single family is just you by yourself? And some of that's, cor that's correct. That was actually um, – so just to uh, – my background in real estate, I purchased my first property uh, basically straight out of university in South Africa. And that w this was – I'm dating myself by <laughs> saying this, but this was around 2001, I believe. So 2001 in, in, in South Africa, um, that's, that's how I got my feet wet, started small too, um, to a single family, two bedroom, two bath. Actually, the property that I have uh, still uh, in single families in the United States, one of the first properties um, in the Chicago, Chicagoland area, um, which is, uh, yeah, it's producing nice income. So I never really looked at, at uh, quite getting rid of that one. So you got a little bit more global perspective 
I've heard that United States is just the best place because of the financing and the rent-to-value ratios. What do you see outside of the United States? Yeah, I think what makes the United States unique is the creativity that investors have here. Uh, if you look at a lot of other countries, it's a little bit more vanilla. Um, there's not a lot of negotiating power with uh, with banks and financing and private lenders and so forth. So um, there's a lot of creativity here. Um, a lot, a very big country with a lot of a lot of creative folks, um, and a lot of people they do want to do a deal in the United States. So I think that is definitely one aspect uh, where the United States does have an advantage over um, other countries. So do you invest in your homeland? Uh, not currently. I, I look at the United States predominantly right now. Um, I love South Africa. I'm originally from there, as as you mentioned. I grew up in a very, very interesting time in South Africa. Uh, I just actually recently got back from, from there visiting. Beautiful country, amazing people, amazing food. And th there's a ton of opportunity in Africa in general. Enormous opportunity. Someone that I follow uh, really closely, an informal mentor, as 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 you will, um, have spoken about. If they're a young entrepreneur, Africa is a place that they would get on a plane to right now to to go and make the next fortune because they can take their skill sets of what they have right now in the United States uh, and their worldview and things that they know of and are used to and go to 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 Africa and South Africa and look at what they don't have and start a business, uh, become an entrepreneur there. Short answer, no, I'm not. Although there is a lot of opportunities uh, in that continent and in that country specifically. Take us back to in your story and how'd you get started and take us to your Han Solo moment where you uh, took a pivot point to where you are now. Yeah. So as I mentioned, grew up in South Africa, very, very interesting time. Um, and that definitely contributed to the person that I am today. Nelson Mandela was released from prison while I was still um, at school um, and became the first uh, democratically elected uh, president of the country while I was in high school. So it was a very, very interesting time. Uh, uh, very, very uh, uh, transitional, obviously, from uh, an apartheid government and now to a a democratic government that they have in the country. So it really influenced my thinking and the way that I view the world and looked at the, the world. Um, and throughout university as well, I always knew that I wanted to travel and I wanted to actually see what's going on in different places uh, of the world. Because growing up there, we, you know, I realized that things are not as they are presented. Um, there's definitely a lot of bias um, and uh, a lot of uh, a lot of propaganda out there. So I uh, traveled quite a bit. I ended up in the United States with a backpack, I think one suitcase, maybe $500, a sense of humor and a sense of adventure because you got to have those two, right? I, I landed, I played in, in a rugby league, a national uh, city-based rugby league year up until 2007. And while I was doing that, I kind of fell into an informal mentorship. Um, well, this one was more formal, but found a mentor in Chicago in the real estate industry. Um, I was working for a very, very uh, 
private wealthy real estate investor. They were doing a lot of multifamily uh, investing, uh, commercial uh, real estate investing. And I basically started learning the business from the ground up, working, doing maintenance, uh, painting buildings, uh, painting or turn, turn around apartments in these buildings to eventually getting my broker's license, working inside the office, doing property management for them, lease negotiations, uh, marketing, negotiating with uh, vendors of the buildings um, to eventually going into the acquisition team, looking at deals, uh, walking properties, performing due diligence and buying and selling buildings uh, in, in this group. So fantastic experience really showed me how the business worked. Um, at that stage and what was going on behind the scenes um, and how deals were truly done, especially the big deals. That was a fantastic learning experience for myself and uh, something, uh, the experience that I draw on consistently, not just in real estate or investing, but also in business. While I was doing that, um, it kind of really triggered an interest of mine to see that, and this was a pivotal moment where I said, you know, I played competitive sports and and rugby. I played representative rugby in the United States. Why am I not? And I I modeled what the best players were doing out there consistently. So I figured to myself, look, I don't understand. Why haven't I just modeled the behavior of the wealthiest people and look exactly what they were doing? I've been pretty far along in my education at that stage and, you know, read all of the Robert Kiyosaki books and advisors books and a lot of other financial uh, educational stuff. But didn't quite obsessively study, as I would call it, um, what the wealthy people were truly and really doing with their money. So I started jumping into that. I came around a strategy that was employed in a lot of these family offices that's around the country that I referred to earlier as the infinite banking concept, using permanent whole life in, uh, insurance products, permanent life insurance products. I fell off my chair the first time I saw that, uh, realizing that this was a centerpiece of uh, overall wealth, comprehensive wealth plan, and actually how to transfer wealth uh, over to the next generation. Because that's one thing that wealthy people know, right? They know how to limit and reduce the impact of wealth destroyers. And that's why they wealth their wealth grows every single generation. They also realize uh, that the most powerful business system on the planet is the banking system and employ all of the principles that the banking system executes in their overall wealth plan. Um, and then they also limit and reduce, reduce the impact of uncontrollable variables on their wealth plan. So Really did that. That was a pivotal moment for me when I discovered that. I employed it in my own life. Uh, I saw the power that it brought for me. And from there on, um, I wanted to help as many people as I possibly can employ this in their own life. So with being a little bit of a self-starter, I have an entrepreneurial spirit and mindset and being an investor myself. I love working with small business owners, investors, entrepreneurs to basically structure these vehicles in their own life um, and help them grow their wealth outside of Wall Street. Worst life for businesswoman, and what did you do after? What was the lesson learned? Oh, worst life for business moment. Well, they've been, they've been plenty. I mean, the, <laughs> it's not just all rainbows and unicorns, right? Um, I would say that I went through a very, very bad time in around about 2011. And, you know, Lane, when it rains, it pours, right? So 
the three big things in my life, uh, my health, relationships, and also my, my monetary wealth financially all just got blown away at the same time. Um, I was struggling a little bit with my health at that stage, was pretty unhappy um, of, of just where I was. I had a failed relationship and I had a very, very large real estate deal that just uh, <laughs> that just blew up in my face. So I was out a lot of money, lost most of, most of my net worth at that stage, and that was 2011, uh, sick <laughs> by myself and broke, right? Um, and that takes you to a very, very d deep and dark place because you really have to look at the person, um, look, look at the person in the mirror. And I think one of the biggest lessons uh, from that for me is, you know, you have to realize where you are at, take inventory in all those areas, and then you have to realize who is responsible for all of this, and that is you. <laughs> it's no one else, regardless of what happened from a financial standpoint, who the partners were, you know, if somebody screwed you over or whatever it was, right? Regardless of what happened in a failed relationship. And of course, your health, that's that's you looking at yourself in the mirror. But in all the three of these aspects, you have to realize that the common denominator is you and you're the person that got yourself yourself there and you're the person that could pull yourself out of that situation and make it start making changes in your life to get yourself out there. The other thing was that that I realized by first taking responsibility for where I'm at and stop pointing fingers at everybody else and realize that the problem was looking back at me in the mirror was was myself is also realizing that up until then, my best thinking got me to this point. And regardless of where you are in your life right now, your best thinking got you to where you are right now. So huge mindset change uh, moment for me, realizing that if I want to make changes in my life, uh, if I want to have that health that I that I have and recover from the injury and the surgery that I have at that stage, it all starts with my mind. If I want to have that amazing relationship that I desire, I have to become the person and think like the person that would attract someone that would uh, be in a relationship like that with me. The same with monetary and financial and uh, wealth as well. If I want to have certain things and want to desire a certain life, I have to start thinking like the person that has that life uh, that I desire. So what were some things that you did every day after you looked yourself in the mirror and what were some of the habits that you started to do to pull yourself out of that? The first thing is uh, you got to get up in the morning <laughs> as hard as it was at that stage. You got to get up and you got to get out and you got to start moving. Um, and it's funny that uh, you're a fan of Tony Robbins as well. Um, at that stage, this happened uh, maybe like two or three months later. I was listening to just uh, uh, an audio product that he had. And when he said that, I'm like, that is so true because that's exactly what I did. I got up. I start moving. I started doing small things. I was still recovering at that stage from uh, reconstructive surgery. So I, uh, I started moving as best as I can. I started walking a little bit, get outside. I started reading again. I started to find my purpose of what I wanted to do as far as my, my health, my relationship, and my money. What do, I, what do I want to have? Who do I need to become to have that? And then you just do small things every day. You get up, you start moving, 
you read, you invest in yourself, your own financial education, um, you invest in your personal growth at that stage. I read a fascinating book at that stage. I think it's called the the Seven Love Languages or something, which is if from a relationship step standpoint and also in general of just uh, how to relate to other people and business as well. I think it's a fantastic read and really opened my eyes of how different people communicate in different ways. And we don't understand it necessarily because we don't get uh, – we don't realize what they're telling us and how they're communicating with us. So not just in relationships and business as well, because certain people express certain things differently and they have a different language. So, for instance, uh, I would say someone, if, if you're working in a company or building a business, someone, for in- instance, they like words of encouragement. You know, some people might not need, you know, to be told you're doing a great job. Fantastic. You know, we're very, very proud of you. You're very important to this organization and my company. And I, you know, I couldn't have done this without you. Some people need that. Some people don't. So that was very, very uh, interesting. But yeah, I got up every day, small incremental things that you do. Um, because they do add up in the long run. And then you just check off every week. You said daily goals for yourself, weekly goals, monthly goals. And within, you know, with about six to eight months of just doing things daily to improve yourself in different areas, you look back after eight months and you go, wow, well, I've really made progress. You know, my health is is really well. Um, you know, from a personal development standpoint, I've become a, a happier person, actually a person that Uh, Another person would want to be in a relationship with again. And then from a business and an investing standpoint, well, I've increased this skill set. I've studied this. I now understand, for instance, uh, how to analyze a multifamily property. So small little things uh, daily done over and over and over is uh, is definitely the recipe to success and overcoming uh, a situation like that, which I found myself in. So you would say that the physical movement came before the intellectual movement. That was the catalyst. Absolutely. Uh, You're not going to be very inspired uh, by just lying around moping and feeling sorry for yourself. So get out, get some sun, get around people that know you, that know what type of person you are and that wants to support you. And we've we've all heard that uh, before, right, Lane, to surround yourself. Uh, with certain people, you become like the, the the five people that you surround yourself with. And um, I think drawing on family and friends uh, is extremely important, not just in the in-between stages or the happy stages, but especially uh, when you're when you're down and out, because there are people that know you, they know who you are, they believe in you, they know your potential, and they they know your story, and they know where you want to go. And those are the folks that that'll that'll make sure that you're out of the house too. And I think you mentioned the uh, Gary Chapman's book. It's not the seven love languages, the five. Seven there we was, go, five. Seven, seven was just too many. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, five. I don't know why the number seven in my head, but that's a that's a fantastic read. They probably would have made it seven, but it was just too much. Yeah, five is enough. I think the takeaway for me for that book was that it's just to get your head out of your own butt, and certain things work for you. It's just more for the other person, and you need to start to be the person who facilitates. And what is the other person? How do what do they want? Right. It's so true. And you have to think, I mean, in business, right, we, uh, the world that we live in right now, it is value for value exchange. And 
that is the way that that business is done on the in in the the information age. There's so much uh, information out there. There's so many people online. So you have to provide uh, the absolute most value that you humanly possibly can, and then there'll be a value exchange. And I think uh, from that book is to also realize that you have. I mean. To the worldview of abundance, right? From the worldview of scarcity and me and the, the selfish need and what I want. Well, how do other people communicate? What do other people want? Um, like Zig Ziglar said, you can, you know, you'll have everything that you want in life if you'll help other people's uh, people find what they want in life. Explain that a little bit more for people. The whole scarcity mentality is that you live in this world where there's, you know, only so much funds and. You know, you have to save $5 and not have your Starbucks and brown bag your lunch because there's not enough money. And that's just going to start to breed a, a mindset of or interactions with other people of selfishness. Exactly. And that, it's a, it's an amazing time that we live in and to do business in. And it's it's quite remarkable because I actually, uh, before I left for South Africa, um, had a conference call, which w uh, most people, if you look at business, would consider them my competitors in my space. But what are we talking about on the conference call? How do we grow this pie? How do we get the message out? How we do, how do we inf inform more people of what we're doing? Because the amount of people that we can serve out there is unlimited in this global economy. So, and that's the big thing that people have to understand. You know, it's the same thing with podcasting and investing. We're all in the investment kind of space, but we all collectively are trying to grow this space and spread the word and empower people and share powerful information because that's our mission collectively. So instead of people just quote unquote competing in the old way with each other, we are all collaborating, um, coming on each other's shows and providing value for one for, for each other's listeners and audience and growing this pie together. Um, and I think once you make that switch and you do a fantastic job lane too with sharing information on your website and having um, an avenue where investors can communicate and share deals and look at what deals are out there. That's the same type of mentality. It is a mindset. It's a mindset of abundance, not of scarcity where you're just trying to fight over the small little pie. Now, let's make this pie as big as we can and let's, uh, <laughs> let's each have the biggest slice that we can humanly possibly have. Yeah, I read this book called Amy Grant's takers and givers and basically if you have a scarcity mindset or abundance mindset i mean some people i have on the podcast most of the people are very abundance mindset and a lot of people i don't have on the podcast are very scarcity minded and you know, these are the people you know they're, they have their deal list they're hiding the addresses because they mark it up five grand and they're just kind of shysters and i you know they might have big following but i you know i don't want to hang out with those people i mean I don't do this really for the money. I mean, I got cash flow cows coming, bringing in cash all day long. Just find more like-minded people and go to bigger and better places with those people. And that's the thing about the free market, right? That people are going to li like like-minded folks will 
will be attracted to each other and they'll continue to do business and grow this pie together and live in this worldview of abundance that we have. And then the rest would just kind of uh, fade away. And and that's the big switch I think that people do have to they have to make because once you make it, the, the way that you view the world is one thing, but the opportunities that you'll start to see in places that you've never seen them before, uh, it's it's truly, truly unbelievable. When I got smart and sold my primary residence to start investing in investments that actually made sense, whoo, I needed a place to diversify quickly as opposed to some money market or some high reward checking account. Let's face it, turnkey rentals are cool and syndications are great, but they don't come around often. I stumbled upon the American Homeowner Preservation Fund. The owner, George Newmary, once apartment syndicator too, is now sponsoring the podcast. His fund cuts the middleman out to crowdfund the solution to the mortgage crisis in America. They are empowering you to fund the purchase of distressed mortgages and earn returns that smoke any other passive fund. If you find something else better out there, let me know. Oh yeah, they work with families to keep them in their home after buying the underwater note at a huge discount. It's an opportunity to make an impact on families and communities while earning returns. Start investing with as little as 100 bucks in investinhp.com. If you want the free Burn Zone book, please send me an email at lane at simplepassivecashflow.com. See, what's your uh, current two-week experiment and six-month project that you're working on? High performers are always working on new things and uh, putting new practices in place and trying things out. What's yours? <laughs> that is very, very true. Uh, quite a couple of things I'm working on right now, Lane. I think one of the most, well, the most important one and probably the most important project of my life is that my wife and I are, we're having a baby from a professional standpoint, from a business standpoint, I'm in the process of creating a mastermind group. It started with an idea from my clients because we do structure a lot of wealth plan, uh, wealth plans based on the infinite banking concept. And a lot of my clients have built up uh, quite a, a amount of capital in these plans. And one of the things that we also do is help and coach them to then leverage it and find cash flow businesses and investments. We're taking it to the next level of, of creating a mastermind group where I basically bring in the partners that I'm working with, people that from tax advisors, asset protection strategists, um, and all the different team members that I use in my business and then some of my clients are using, we're bringing those guys on board. We'll have a private Facebook group. We'll have educational lessons. We'll have weekly webinars. So these are this is all the things that I'm putting together just in that mastermind group. Um, and one of the projects that I'm working on, the other project that I'm working on as well, uh, I'm in the process of adding another component to my business, which is actually a life settlement fund, uh, which is a different inv investment, which is a podcast in, in and of itself to explain how it works and what it is. That is something that I'm working on as well. Um, and then just from a professional growth standpoint, um, I feel that there's a couple of things that I can do better personally. So I'm trying to to improve in those areas as well. Communication is a better is one that I'm continuously trying to improve the way that I deliver messages, the way that I teach. So I'm doing some courses on that currently as well. As you mentioned, I do have my own podcast, so I do talk and teach uh, for my clients in my business. So that's one area that I'd like to take it to the next level as well. But uh, yeah, three three projects and then uh, a lot of self-improving existing skill sets and adding a couple of new ones. 
What is your simple passive cash flow number? And imagine you have two times that amount. Describe your ideal day, detailed routine, what projects you'd be working on. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. I would say that I look at it from a lifestyle perspective, right? And I'm a pretty simple guy. The way that I live uh, and, and the money that I would need to live that way. I mean, if I would uh, say, for instance, do a six-figure per month uh, in passive income, um, I think I would be very, very comfortable. I'd always try to... Uh, Always try to grow and improve and get to the next level. Um, but I don't necessarily think it's a monetary number. I think it's, it's a more of a what am I building? What am I creating? What value am I providing for others? Because I'm at a certain level right now where, okay, I'm doing this. I'm building this company. I have my, I'm providing value for my clients. Um, I have this podcast with a, a, a very, very large audience that I'm serving and providing value for. Um, and I'll get to a point where, I, where I'll say to myself to, well, what do I do? What's the next step? How do I ramp this up? How do I scale this? What I, uh, the life settlement fund that I'm bringing on into my own company to take my company to the next level. And because I'm providing more value for others, then obviously that number increases. From an ideal life, lifestyle, I'd like to get up. I'd like to exercise. I'd like to invest in my own mindset. I'd like to spend uh, time working on projects that inspire me, that's aligned with my purpose um, for uh, five, six, seven, seven hours a day. Um, that's actually one one of my goals is, <laughs> as you know, Lane, when you get started and you build and scale things, we work a lot. <laughs> we work many, many, many hours. It's not a four-hour work day or a four-hour work week, but I do like to, to scale it down and work a little bit smarter um, and not just harder. Um, because my family is, as I've mentioned, growing and I'd like to spend more time with them um, and have a cutoff at a certain time in my day where I said, you know, I've uh, invested in myself uh, with my health. I've invested in my own development. I've served others, worked on things that I'm aligned with and and that's in line with my purpose. And now I want to spend time with with my family. Um, so that would be an ideal day for me. Yeah, I'm trying to get to a point where uh, I don't spend too much time doing what I do every day. <laughs> it's a little unsustainable at the moment. I've been trying to get a bunch of VAs working for me. What are some ways that you're trying to uh, just take yourself out of it? Are you bringing on people to help you? Yeah, I'm trying to. So, uh, and and uh, maybe there's some of your listeners that this would resonate with that, you know, when you build something, you become very protective over this. And I've learned, you know, uh, <laughs> through another mindset change that, you got to let it go. You got to let it fly at some stage. Um, and that's, that's, I'm still in the process of that. That's been the last six months of, um, is what I'm doing right now or what I'm planning to do in the, in the, in the next day or in the next week or the next month, really the highest and best use of my time. And if it's not, I try to delegate it, um, to, to, and outsource it. Um, and if, if I can't outsource it, how can I automate it? And if I can't automate it, it you know, I determine how is it really adding that much value to my the people that I'm trying to serve, and what's the strategic value in my value offering and in my overall operations. And if it's not, then I just I kind of just put it table it and put it away. So it's hard to do that too, but you've got to look, take a step out of your business a little bit and just look at it from, uh, from an overall standpoint of uh, what you're trying to do, who you're trying to serve, and where you're headed with your business.
to help model the way for the listener, I've been writing this VA script for instructions to do my bookkeeping. Take the pictures that I upload to Dropbox, put them into this spreadsheet, put it into this column, then drag and drop into this folder to let me know that you're done. It's something I personally have gone back and forth about. Like, I'm going to do it, then I'm going to do it myself, I'm going to have them do it, and do it myself, and now I'm finally committed to having them do it. (laughs) (laughs) And it's so true. That's great, great uh, advice because um, I would suggest too that if you're listening to this, document your processes because number one, when you document it and you write it down, and you look at it, you say, well, why am I doing this? <laughs> I just actually did this with something last week. Uh, last week. Um, while I was actually in South Africa, I was writing down a process of, of, of something, and I look at it and go, well, I really don't need these two steps, and that's eating up a lot of my time. Um, and then the other thing is you can delegate and outsource it then because if you communicate it clearly to yourself and it's clear to yourself – uh, transferring it then to someone else and have them take over that task for you is just going to be so much easier. Yeah, another example is like last – I mean I have somebody editing the podcast and I have somebody posting it to all the channels and everything, which both of them take an hour each. But in right. the middle, I'm still doing the final edit on the podcast and just talking with you, making me think that maybe I should, at some point I need to stop doing that because last night, I mean I was doing that for two hours where I could have been doing something else more fun, I guess. Right, right. Again, not the highest and best use of your time. And like you said, something more fun. We do need to relax too. I need to take my own advice on that one. <laughs> uh, but we do need some some downtime and relax and unwind as well. So a very, very important part of the an overall uh, holistic approach and to w- building and creating wealth. Do you have like a rule of thumb in your mind? Like if I can pay someone 50 bucks to do this an hour or something like that, or my time is worth a hundred dollars an hour, some rule of thumb that you use. Yeah. You know, I, I don't have a rule of thumb yet quite on that. I do kind of determine what, what's my time worth on a daily basis. Does this make sense for me to pay someone? Uh, I'm just throwing out a number, say it's a hundred dollars per podcast or that, that someone's editing for you. Well, uh, that hundred dollars that I'm paying someone to edit the podcast for me, put it all together, upload it and distribute it to channels. What can I do in that hour to provide, create and provide more value for others and in turn make more money than that hundred dollars and then you kind of have to weigh it up um you know obviously there's some things that they might not have the biggest return they're not uh yeah they're not revenue generating activities for you in the in the long run um that you have to do so i i understand that i'm realistic when i look at this and i understand that there's some things that you just got to do but if there's a way of letting something go and outsourcing it i would highly recommend it and something you've recently thought about burning your cash on for time savings or an improvement in quality of life. Mm, that's a very, very interesting one. Uh, I would say uh, <laughs> a home gym. <laughs> Although I did say earlier that you got to get out and get some sun, right? But yeah, I think that would cut down a little bit on time just on, on really extremely busy days uh, to just have some uh, equipment and a little bit of a home gym to get to get a workout in. Um, I do love actually uh, home um, fitness programs. Big fan of Insanity. Um, however, I do kind of have a, a gym that I go to to do that. 
Um, but uh, huge fan of that kind of stuff. But that is something that uh, that I have thought about um, just to just to be able, even if you could get away for 20 or 30 minutes to just get the blood flowing a little bit and uh, get a workout in. Yeah, I bought the big gym thing at my house, but then I recently sold it because I thought it was more of a community thing is fitness. In fact, other people are working hard. That was the big thing of it, part of it. Right. And to your point, when I see people working out at the gym, you really do get motivated and working out <laughs> as well. So, and the community is too. I mean, uh, I spoke about insanity. The, uh, I, there's actually a, a, a gym close uh, near me that, that teach the classes. And that's a lot of fun as well. It's community, people working out really hard together. So I completely understand that side of it as well. It's something you recently changed your mind on because often people's ego, a lot of them, they don't want to do the infinite banking. You know, they just can't see it, right? Yeah, infinite banking is it is a lot of uh, education has to be involved in it um, to educate yourself. It's not an easy process just to grasp right away. I think that, you know, I'm still trying to improve uh, the way that I teach infinite, infinite banking and try to help other people understand it. So definitely, uh, definitely is, is something that I keep on improving. I uh, try to present it in a different way. But, you know, Lane, as you know, everybody has a aha moment at a different time when something starts to click and something starts to make sense for you. For listeners, by the way, of yours that is interested in learning more about it, I will make a book available to them, Becoming Your Own Banker by Mr. Nelson Nash. Um, yeah, they, they can reach out to me at info at cashflowninja.com and I'll, uh, I'll mail them a copy of the book um, because it is something that you have to invest a little bit of time in and study, study yourself um, to, uh, yeah, to just grasp the concept and the power of the concept. So the last question is the Tony Robbins question where he identifies two large concepts, the art of fulfillment and the science of achievement. If you die tomorrow and I were to email this to your unborn child when they would actually listen to you 20 years, 30 years later, what is your secret hack to the science of achievement first? I think you have to believe in yourself. First, you you have to uh, you have to really know yourself. You have to know what your strengths are, your weaknesses are, things you can improve on kind of understand truly uh, what you're capable of and what value you can add and in which way you can add that. And because you've done that, um, I would say really, really focus on things that you're very, very good at and that you can help uh, to provide value for others. Um, And if you keep focusing and improving on that, um, you will have the self-belief. And that is one of the most important things. We see examples of this every single day out there uh, in the world of people that truly believe in themselves where no one else d- do. Um, and uh, uh, surround yourself with uh surround yourself with five five people. We know that the number five um uh, comes up a lot, as you mentioned, the five love languages in Gary Chapman's book. But l- the five people that you surround yourself, really pick them, people that inspire you, people that know your purpose, people that will drive you, people that will will help you and support you in what you want to do. Because in the end, um, there's a lot of people that are going to doubt what you're what you're setting out to do and what you want to do. And then there's then there's people that know you and they are going to support you and they are going to be there for you and egg you on and inspire you along the way. So once you know yourself, you believe in yourself and you're you have the right community and people around you to support you. I think you're on the right track. And there's a there's a lot of things that you will be able to achieve and get to with that kind of uh, foundation. 
to finish off, what is your secret hack to the art of fulfillment, which is often harder than the science of achievement? <laughs> very, very much harder, right? I think that you have to realize that um, my you know, motto that I, I love is I'm entitled to nothing and I'm grateful for everything. So I am not entitled to anything. We are not born entitled to anything in this life. Nobody owes you anything. And you have to understand that because that is a very, very big source of unhappiness right now. Um, we have a generation, uh, you know, maybe two or three generations now of participatory trophies. Life doesn't give you a trophy. <laughs> you know, your boss doesn't give you a trophy. I think uh, we have to start understanding that when you are born into this world, uh, there's no guarantees and nobody owes you anything, nothing. Everything that you're going to get into in this life, uh, be grateful for, uh, work for it, uh, plan for it, um, and chase after it. But don't expect anybody to hand you out anything. And I think once you start to realize that, and listen, um, people uh, uh, usually say this is a millennial problem. This is not a millennial problem. This is a human problem. Everybody, for all the generations looking at them right now, is some sort of a little bit of a menta mentality of entitlement in certain ways. So we're not entitled to anything at any given point in our lives. We have to be grateful for everything that we have. Um, and that's, uh, that's helped me be grateful and appreciate what I have, fulfill myself, um, and be a happier person. MC, anything we missed? Give your contact information for you to get a hold of you. Yeah, so thank you so much for having me on. It's It's been an honor, and thanks for the listeners out there. My contact information, if you are interested in learning uh, a couple of more different cash flow strategies, I know Lane covers real estate pretty well. I have everything on there from cash flowing coffee farms offshore to gold and silver to Bitcoin uh, to pay, other paper assets, insurance, uh, all kinds of different strategies. You can check me out at cashflowninja.com. It's cashflowninja.com, and again, if you want to take me up on on that book, Becoming Your Own Banker, you can, uh, yeah, you can reach out to me at info at cashflowninja.com. I'm also pretty approachable, try to respond to, to uh, all of my emails personally, so you can reach out to me. Again, it's cashflowninja.com and info at cashflowninja.com. Those of you guys wondering, he doesn't really look like a ninja. He's a <laughs> South African rugby player looking guy. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> all right. Thanks, MC. Thank you so much, Lane. This website offers very general information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor situation is unique. Always seek the services of licensed third-party appraisers and inspectors to verify the value and condition of any property you intend to purchase. Use the services of professional title and escrow companies and licensed tax, investment, and or legal advisor before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk. The content found here is just my opinion and things change and I reserve the right to change my mind. Above all else, do your own analysis and think for yourself because in the end, you are the only person who is going to look out for your best interests.